I was so excited to get a chance to see David again, I dragged my bulging luggage at high speed through the airport, jumped on the first shuttle bus and got into town by 5pm so we could have dinner. Running up two flights of marble stairs in the old quarter, I rushed down a dusty corridor with dull, nameless wooden front doors on either side that never opened but hid muffled music. I fumbled a fistful of keys, opened the door to the flat and heard the music playing inside, so I knew he was already home. Hi, darling, it's me, I called out aloud to give him warning that I was walking in. It was something we both always had done out of respect. He looked up from a small square table in front of the lounge window, where he was rolling a cigarette on a brightly coloured, patterned, plastic tablecloth. Hi, how are you? he said, smiling, looking up. Immediately I dropped all my luggage onto the tiled terracotta floor. I was looking at two huge blue eyes in a head perched on a skeletal body of a brown-tanned young blonde man with sunken cheeks and wrinkles. He had aged about five years, although he was in his early thirties, but somehow he looked like an aged younger person rather than an older mature person. Somehow he had aged differently, like an old child. I thought he had cancer. I had known cancer patients looked better. I have never seen a human being disappear and shrink into a bag of bones, ever, especially within three months. Without saying a word on this topic, we exchanged pleasantries and went straight out for dinner. But he wasn't eating, just chain-smoking roll-ups. His cigarettes were being rolled out like a one-man factory, and he never really looked up from his Rizzler papers unless he smoked one. As soon as one cigarette was finished, another paper was out, filled, licked, and lit. The food arrived, he picked up a fork, pushed it around the plate, took a mouthful, put the fork down and lit the next cigarette. I was starving after my journey, cleaned off my plate and I think he found my voracious appetite a bit nauseating because somehow we were both at extreme ends of the scale and we sensed it. Eat, aren't you hungry? They are going to take that plate away soon if you leave it any longer, I prompted. I'm not hungry, I ate earlier. He replied with no intention of getting involved with anything on a plate that couldn't be inhaled. Earlier? When? Last week earlier? Yesterday earlier? Did you eat today? I couldn't help but ask. Yes, of course. I had a flapjack. He lit another cigarette and smiled at me with a slightly defiant look. He knew I couldn't make him eat, and I could see he really wasn't hungry. You can't keep a hungry man from a plate of food. I was worried as by 10 or 11 p.m., if he did get hungry, we had nothing in the fridge at home to snack on, and I didn't want him to skip one mouthful of food, but actually my biggest fear was the thought he might not get hungry. No one could lose this amount of weight by skipping the odd meal, as this was bordering on starvation, which we're not used to seeing in Europe. He looked like a prisoner who had just been released from some Siberian prison camp, unlike an English one where they feed them up and give them a gym to use. He had lost about eight kilos, but had been slim before, so this was alarming to see. He was literally skin and bones. Putting food in front of him was met with disinterest, as he picked a few mouthfuls and preferred to roll another cigarette. His huge white eyes blinked at me from a sunken face. He smoked, spoke in short sentences, saying nothing, as if he was saving energy. So we got the bill and left early to get a good night's sleep. Back up the dusty marble stairs in a dimly lit hallway outside our nameless front door, he turned and said, 
I'm not tired. You go in. I'm going for a walk and catch you later. And with that, he turned on his trainers and bounced off into the night. Do you have a key? I yelled out in a voice shrill enough to pierce the air. He didn't turn around, but waved an arm in the air holding a key and put it back in his pocket. As I watched him walk down the long, dimly lit corridor, I realised he had planned this move, but had got me all the way to the front door before delivering his intention. I stared at his disappearing figure and tried to remember what he had looked like before. Taller, wider, rounder, larger, younger, stronger, and healthy. God help us! I need to make sure he hasn't got an aggressive cancer. No one can deteriorate at this speed. At this rate, we might have three months, or he's going to die. Who do I know? Who do I call first? Do I need to find a hospital?